All right, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite movie podcast. That's right. It's the one and only Force Perspective. Uh, I'm Sports Guy 515, better known as Mark or Mark the Mark, as many of you may know me by now. Um, and I am joined with my regular partner in crime, my regular Force Perspective co-host, Adolfo. What's going on, man? Um, going okay. Um, so hopefully we're going to start uh, doing some less pitching from our last episode on the Oscars to some more positive outlooks on things. So, yeah, doing okay. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, so Green Book still sucks, but you know. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that that that'll never get old. But uh, no. um, we are here to kind of talk about something a little more current than the Oscars. That's right. It's going to be uh, our review, finally, of Captain Marvel, the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're kind of going to use this review as kind of an introduction to. Our big retrospective of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which will begin next episode with Phase 1. We're going to be bringing on special guests to talk about the MCU with us, and it's going to be a fun time. Uh, but for now, we're going to kind of stick to the MCU's latest release, Captain Marvel. And before we actually talk about the movie, I think maybe we should talk about the elephant in the room when it comes to this. And I'm, I don't want to get you fired up, because I get you. sometimes you get fired up with these kinds of topics, but... Let's talk about the trolls. <laughs> um, trolls. The tr- I thought trolls. this was universally loved by every <laughs> out there, right? Like everyone, no problem with this movie, right? Oh, not at all. But uh, <laughs> so, I think this was about. I think she she made, had this interview about a month before the movie came out. Might have been around like early February, mid February when this kind of started coming to light. Uh, so, in a nutshell. I believe Brie Larson was doing an interview with, I don't know if it was a magazine or she was doing a, a Q&A panel. I don't remember, know exactly where this happened. Um, but she was kind of asked a question as far as um, diversity in film. Uh, and I have her quote right here. And she basically said, now if you listen to the full context of the interview, she's talking about just bringing people to the table, bringing people, you know, more diverse voices to film, film criticism. But basically her quote when it, when it came to that was, quote, they are not allowed enough chances to read public discourse on these films by the people that the films were made for. I do not need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what it meant to women of color, to biracial women, to teen women of color to teens that are biracial, end quote. Now, I want to ask you, Adolfo, real quick. In any of that quote, especially when you actually listen to the full interview, does anywhere in that quote say to you, I don't like white people or I don't want white people to watch my movie? Does, does that no. quote say that at all to you? No. And and she specifically called, I mean, people have like, people have no sense of nuance anymore, right? Like, She's clearly, like, talking specifically about trolls at this point. Like, she didn't, like, it's not like she's saying 40, every 40-year-old white dude in the world is not allowed to have an opinion on a wrinkle in time. It's not that at all. All she's saying is that she specifically isn't really interested in their opinion. She's interested in the opinion of, uh, you know, little girls, little girls of color, uh, you know, people of color, things. Things like that, like and and that's a valid point. Like now, you and I reviewed that movie. Neither one of us thought it was a very good film. 
And if she's not, and even though neither of us are 40 year old white dudes, even though I'm very close to 40, um, and I'm, but I'm not a white dude, uh, even though we're not 40 year old white dudes, like that is not, she might not care about our opinion. It doesn't mean like she's saying, it's not saying she doesn't care, uh, that she, she doesn't like white dudes or 40, it's just saying that's not what she's concerned about. And people have no sense of nuance anymore and people need to chill the fuck out. It's not even I, – I would even say it's not even just about the trolls. I would even say she's talking about specifically like the film critics who are 40 years old, you know, like the professional critics. You know, yeah, it's nice to get diverse opinions from everybody. But again, like you said, she's really not interested in the opinion of somebody who the movie really wasn't made for. And that's her prerogative. That's just her, you know, her personal preference or personal opinion. She wants to hear more from people who – where the movie was made for, like, you know, children, like, you know, teenagers, whether they're boys or girls, like, she just, she wants to hear opinions more from the people that the movie was designed for, as opposed to, like, somebody who's just kind of watching it because they have to, because it's their job, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, but, of course, like you said, there's no more nuance in discourse anymore, so that got blown up to, oh, I don't like white people, you know, white people shouldn't see this movie, you know, and... As a result, Rotten Tomatoes have to change their whole algorithm now. So for those who don't know, Rotten Tomatoes no longer displays the want-to-see percentage of a film because after this whole controversy started, people let's – just, well, let's just call them trolls because that's what they are. They're trolls – started review bombing this movie and bringing down the want-to-see percentage and just basically leaving negative reviews for a film – Without even seeing it, without even seeing the damn movie, they're leaving negative reviews. Oh, you know, this movie wasn't made for me, so I'm not going to watch it. And, you know, just kind of BS like that. So as a result now, Rotten Tomatoes has taken out the uh, want-to-see percentage. Uh, and, of course, now the conspiracy theory is, oh, Disney paid them to take that off. And Oh, oh Jesus oh, Christ. It's the last yeah. Jedi thing again. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> so... That's what's going on with that right now. So basically, from there's an article here from Hollywood Reporter that said after um, Rotten Tomatoes had to purge about 58,000 reviews, I think. Of, oh, no, I'm sorry. There were more than 58,000 reviews just after Captain Marvel came out, and they had to purge all but 7,000 of them because none of them you know, fit their new criteria anymore. Where basically, a lot of those were left over from the uh, pre-release period. Um, and now they're basically down to 7,000 reviews that are still up there. Um, and the ones that did get taken out, like I said, were mostly about the politics, not about the movie itself. So that really doesn't deserve to be there anyway, so good on them. But it's just the, what – you know, not only this website, but now like – I hate how movie discourse now kind of has de-evolved into stuff about the actor's politics or the politics of the film – you know, why not just talk? What happened to just talking about the movie? That's what I want. You know, the, the the ground zero for this, like patient zero for this, was Ghostbusters 2016. Like this is when this all started because because there was a group of unfuckable hate nerds out there that were so pissed off that there were women as Ghostbusters out there that they basically trolled everybody and like were pissed off and they're like, I refuse to watch Ghostbusters, they're ruining my childhood, blah, 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 blah. Now, you and I both thought the movie was not very good. And we, both, you and I reviewed it on its own merits. We didn't review it on like, it sucks because it's women or it sucks because it's uh, whatever, right? And the, but because there were so many of those stupid assholes out there like it started it started this trend and we saw it 
you know, we did see it with Ghostbusters. We saw it a little bit with Wonder Woman. We saw it with uh, uh, with Star Wars: The Last Jedi. We saw it with Black Panther, and now we're seeing it with uh, with Captain Marvel. I mean, Black Panther. Uh, whenever it was nominated for an like, Academy Award, everything after that, if you looked at any sort of troll like uh, comment thread on anything regarding Black Panther, all you saw were was like, "Well, it wasn't that good. It shouldn't have been nominated." It's like, motherfucker, just be happy a comic book movie got nominated for an Oscar. Like, yeah, I get you liked uh, Infinity War better, but just be happy Black Panther got nominated. Like, this is a, a huge thing. But no, they they have to go into a little like, well, I'm not racist. I just hate this movie because you know diversity. It's like, shit the fuck, then you are racist, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, and you know, we and look, we're not saying that Disney is this like super progressive company. We we uh, I'm I think we're both pretty uh, uh, cynical enough to admit that they didn't Disney didn't release Black Panther or Captain Marvel. Be- they want, you know, uh, more African American representation. They want more uh, 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 female representation in movies. Um, at least not on the surface. They didn't do that for a progressive reason. They did it for a, a financial reason. They saw that there is, you know, uh, a they're, they're, you know, they saw that there is not a lot of African American leading uh, films and there are not a lot of women leading films, and they know that that's an unsafe market. So it's not because they were being progressive; it's because they want to, they want more money, and it worked in both cases. Black Panther made like you know a billion dollars, and Captain Marvel's very close to a billion right now. But so we're not I'm not saying that Disney is like this grandiose like uh, super you know great company, but at the end of the day, it's still a net positive that these movies came out for those audiences right so but but now because of that you got all we have all these people coming out of the woodwork saying like oh disney's gonna do it because of diversity and blah blah it's like shut the fuck up i can't stand these people i really can't yeah and i just i i hate the feeling don't you don't you hate that i feel like rotten tomatoes now has the baby and police you know the, the the populace because you know you can't be trusted to review movies and use the the site use their comments thread use their review thread for what it was meant for instead of posting these childish immature you know one star reviews that oh Brie Larson hates me so I'm not gonna go see her movie it, it, you know it's like I read some of that stuff like dude are you twelve like seriously <laughs> I just and it, it, it sucks that like now they kind of have to change their whole site because of that. But it's like, I and it's over nothing. If you actually read the quote in the interview, it's over nothing. The how that got that little comment got stretched to this, I will never understand. Maybe it's just in the era we live in now. You know, maybe it's because of the guy in the White House. Maybe it's just because of the time of just how political discourse is now. It's just, it's just, it's it's very disheartening. You know, to 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 have to witness this. It's it's, it's so childish. That is just, I mean, I didn't really want to talk about it, but I felt like because we're talking about Captain Marvel, I felt like we had to at least address it. And it's just, it, it's, it's very, it's very annoying. It's it, this whole thing. It's very stupid. It's very stupid. Yeah, it, it really just ruins the whole discourse of, of film criticism, and it, and it also paints people like you and I who might have legitimate uh, criticisms about a film that is, you know, quote unquote diverse. That that they're you know it's gonna like group us in with the morons when it you know and then that that bothers me. It happened to us with Ghostbusters, I think, like where we did have legitimate criticisms of the film that had nothing to do with the women and only had to do with the actual story and the plot structure and the direction, you know. But you know, it, 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 like you open your mouth and you might get like people thinking that you're like one of those. I'll say it again, unfuckable, angry hate nerds. So like, uh, it, it does bother me a little bit that you kind of like because you know I, I like this movie. I like Captain Marvel. 
but I think it is flawed. I think there is it's not the greatest Marvel movie ever. I think it's probably middle of the road as far as Marvel goes. Not the greatest, not the worst, just middle of the road. It's entertaining, but uh, I won't get to the story. We'll get to the actual movie later. It's entertaining, but it, it could have used some improvement. Um, but, you know, but like just saying that, I feel like people are going to like hound us like, oh, they, they don't like it because it's a woman. or You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of the problem. Like, it just it bothers me. And that's the, that's the opposite end of the spectrum, too. Like, oh, if we're just saying it's average or it's so-so, like, oh, is it because it's it's a woman? Like, shut up, dude. <laughs> like, that's not it at all. You know? So it's like, you kind of, it, it sucks. And it, it, I, I think um, uh, our buddy Draven even brought up something similar to this uh, on KLB re- uh, recently. No, well, not recently, about a couple of years ago. When uh, he was, remember, he was on for us with the um, with the Pulp Fiction episode, and how when I was doing some of the quotes, especially from uh, our boy Quentin Tarantino, I had to kind of mute out certain words, um, and rightfully so, he went on the other show. He's like, you know, uh, it was a great time. We we we, we I love talking about Pulp Fiction, but it kind of sucks that in this culture that we live in, you know, Mark has to censor himself, you know. Um, even though th- that word is part of the quote and it's in the context of the movie, he still had to censor himself because yeah, we have to be worried about PC police and all this other stuff. So that's the opposite end of the spectrum too. Oh, because we think Captain Marvel is a so-so movie. Oh, you're sexist. You don't like it because it's a woman. Like, shut up. That's not it at all. Same thing with the Ghostbusters. We it was a mediocre film. That's not because of the women. You know, it's because it just it wasn't great. You know, you like Last Jedi. I really don't. And it has nothing to do with the protagonist being a female. It's just I don't like The Last Jedi that much, you know. So, I mean, it, it, there's things to dissect in these films that have nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with uh, gender. It's just we're just strictly talking about the movie itself and our opinion on the movie. And that's how it should be, no, regardless of politics. Don't bring politics into this shit. It's, it's just talk about the movie. That's what I'm really asking for from the, the film public is just comment on the movie just focus on the movie not what this actor did here or not what this person said there or not what you think this movie is trying to tell you here just focus on the movie please that's all i'm asking and I, I mean at the, at the same time it, it does there is there's something to be said about there are in some movies you are going to have to run into some political things because the movie's either overtly political or because they are doing something like uh, adding representation in a you know, in a market that doesn't have a lot of representation for female action heroes or black superheroes or whatever the case may be, right? So there is some valuable discussion in that, right? The the problem is is that you, you there is a, a nuanced way to talk about it in in that like uh, okay, for example, with, with Captain Marvel, it isn't like I said, it's a net positive that that we have a female superhero that little girls can look up to, and you know, when I was in the movie theater, I saw tons of little kids there. Got tons of little girls there, and they were all super excited about the movie. They didn't care about like all of my little stupid, uh, you know. Well, if they would have done this in the second act, well, you know what I mean? They didn't give a shit about that. They just saw women kicking ass, and that was all they cared about. And that's important, right? That is an important thing to discover. Um, but the so the, it is a valuable it is a valuable point to discuss sometimes these political situations. But I, I think that the where, where sometimes it gets lost. In the weeds is like that extreme one or the other. Like, oh, if you didn't like it, you're a you're a sexist, or if you did like it, you're like this uh, man hating feminist or something like that. And it's like, no, there's there's nuance. People like you know, there are ways to talk about movies, good or bad, even politically. That doesn't have to mean that you fall into one camp or the other. And that's what I think people. That's what I think has been lost in this conversation. And and you know, like you and I, you brought up the Last Jedi, and, I, and that's one of those things where like. 
I enjoy the film. I think it's actually a lot better than, than people give it credit for. And I've seen it many times since then. And I, I mean, you don't like it. And that's fine. We both have valid opinions on it and valid criticisms and valid, uh, whatever you want to say. But, um, but then when you get it to like people who are like saying, oh, the movie sucks because bro. Sucks because uh, because the what's her name? Uh, I forget her name. The the Ray Ray is you know too much of too much part of the story or something like that. And that's when you get like, okay, you guys are your opinion is invalid and you got to shut up right now. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, you know, just what happened to movie discourse now? Like, I feel like we can't, you know, and like, and you said it perfectly too. Um, there is room to talk about politics when it comes to certain films because I think like, they could be very, kind of hinting at something or maybe a little more overt their political stance but again there's a way to talk about this without taking sides you know what I'm saying like I feel like when you when you have to bring politics into film now I feel like it's just one side versus the other instead of you know kind of trying to be as apolitical or trying to be as nuanced like you said as possible when when it comes to talk about, there's ways to talk about it without kind of this whole us versus them mentality, and I think that's what's being lost now. Not just in, and that's not just in film discourse. That's just in everything. Now. That said, I think story. there are moments in this specific film where it it does feel like a little hashtag feminism. You know what I mean? So like, uh, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I think it's like, in my opinion, I felt like when those moments came up in the film, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. It's fine, but a little on the nose. You know what I mean? Like, so we'll talk about them in a little bit, but. And actually, there's no better time to do that than now, because we kind of wanted to get that little uh, bump out of the way. Now let's talk about the movie. Like we've been saying this for the last 10 minutes. Let's talk about the movie. So, Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Boden, Ryan Fleck, produced by our boy Kevin Feige, starring Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn. And I, I love this guy, but I always botch his name. Digimon Honsu? No. Jaimon <laughs> Hansu. Jaimon. Digimon. Oh, okay. Not like, it's not like. It's not Digimon. I keep saying Digimon, bro. He's <laughs> not a 90s animator. <laughs> so Jaimon Hansu. The D's silent, like Django. Hansu. Yes. Thank you. That uh, Now I remember it that way. The D is silent, just like Django. So Jaimon Hansu. Got it. Uh, Lee Pace. Annette Benning, Clark Gregg, and our boy Jude Law. Um, so, as the comic book guy, Adolfo, just kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis on Captain Marvel, what it's about, and uh, we'll start our hot take. So, floor is yours. Well, this one's a little bit like, and I think before we get started, I think we should talk spoilers and say that this is going to be probably a spoiler episode because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that if you haven't seen the movie ahead of time, you know, you might want to watch it first because we're going to spoil a lot of shit here. Um, the, the, the film is about, uh, Carol Danvers, uh, or as we know her at the beginning of the film, Veers, uh, who's part of, uh, the Kree Empire, uh, kind of an alien civilization out in space. She's, she's a human being, at least she appears to be, uh, and, uh, she's, she's got this power that she can't really control, and, um, she doesn't really have any memories of her past. Uh, and she goes basically on a mission with the rest of her crew, including Jude Law, to kind of fight off these, uh, terrorists that are called Skrulls, uh, which are shape-shifting aliens. Uh, and, uh, long, by the way, long-time Marvel, like, characters of the Skrulls, and I'm really happy that they, you know, got some, got some, uh, screen time. That was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, basically after get- getting captured by the Skrulls, she escapes, she lands on Earth in the 1990s. Uh, with still no memory of who she is. And then as she, you know, tries to 
uh, kind of ward off a scroll, what she thinks is a scroll invasion. She starts finding out more about her past and finds out that she's from Earth and that uh, she's there's a lot more to meet the eye than than her. Uh, while she's while she's finding out about her past, she bumps into a very young Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury with both eyes, uh, and uh, and uh, he kind of plays kind of Robin to her Batman as they kind of solve the mystery of her past and then kind of have a big epic battle at the end. So that's the basic plot of Captain Marvel. Right. So um, what I wanted to ask you, though, was I know Kevin Feige said in the past many times, the MCU is its own thing. Yeah, it'll adapt stories from the comics, but it's not going to be 100 you know, percent exact to the story that, you know, comic book, you know, fans have been used to reading. So what I wanted to ask you was a couple of things. The first thing about it was, so I've talked to other people regarding this, like who are also comic book fans who, you know, have read Marvel in the past. And what are your thoughts on how they did, how they portrayed the scrolls here? Because there was some people that I talked to that, weren't really happy about that like it's kind of like whatever the, the scrolls were here was basically the opposite of what they are in the comics okay so we're gonna go right into spoilers right away um yeah basically the scrolls in this film uh while half of the film you are kind of can not even half but right? almost like three quarters of the film you are basically convinced that the bad guys are the they're the antagonist uh, and there are, you know, they are like these alien terrorists. It is eventually revealed that actually the Kree Empire are the bad guys. They're like the oppressive government, uh, and that is fighting against the Skrulls and calling the Skrulls terrorists. Um, but in fact, they're kind of Skrulls are more kind of like refugees. Uh, and they're just trying to kind of get, find their own home and find and get away from the Kree Empire. So, so they're more or less treated as not necessarily good guys, but they're, they're, um, they're not the bad guys. They're just trying to find a way home. They're not really trying to be terrorists or anything. They just want to get out of the Kree's way. Um, but the Kree just kind of wants to, you know, dominate and, uh, oppress and, and, you know, whatever you want the case, whatever the case may be. Um, so it is different because in the comics, the, the scrawls were more of an invading force. And in the comics, uh, the crawl and the scree, no. <laughs> the <laughs> the Cree and the Skrull. Wow, there you go. Uh, uh, Crawl is actually an eighties movie. It's really terrible. Uh, the <laughs> the Cree and the Skrulls are are actually at war. They're a little bit. I think they're a little bit more even, and they're and they are at war with each other. Um, but they're not really. Um, one's not a good guy. One's not a bad guy. They're both kind of just these two, uh, you know, uh, races that are just all constantly fighting each other. But as far as the scrolls go and Earth goes and Earth's heroes goes, they are a little bit more uh uh evil if you want if that's the case with you. They're always trying to conquer Earth, they're always trying to invade Earth. There was a very um um there was a very popular storyline that came out mm, ten years ago maybe called Secret War. Now it's not Secret Wars, that's different. Secret War, uh where the scrolls had taken over some of the superhero like uh superheroes and it you know, you found that the, some of the some superheroes that you'd seen for a long time were actually scrolls in the skies and things like that. So right. um, it was a so they are more bad guys, they're more antagonists in the comics. So here they're not. Now um, I can see why a lot of comic book purists would have a problem with that, and I understand that, but I don't. It doesn't bother me one bit. I actually thought it added to the story. I thought that it kind of um, uh, it made the story a lot story a lot more interesting. Um, and you know the Kree are not really good guys in the comics either. I mean, the, the captain, the original Captain Marvel, does come from the Kree, but 
the Kree are not necessarily good guys in the comics either, so I'm okay with with them being presented this way, and I'm okay with the Skrulls being presented as refugees. I think that's an interesting handle on it. And if if we wanted everything to be exactly like the comics, we could just read the comics. Now, again, I I know that you know that there's a lot of comic book viewers out there that don't like that, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me at all. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was actually that was like the first thing I wanted to ask you about this movie because I you know I know that the scrolls here are different, and I want to kind of get your opinion on that. But as far as uh, so let's just kind of talk about the movie as a whole, and then we'll kind of get you know kind of nitpick into certain topics. But as far as just the movie goes, um, I said it. I've seen this twice already, and I kind of said it to. I was talking about this with my sister, so I said to her. If this had come out in 2008, it'd probably be a bigger deal. Like, instead of Iron Man, we got Captain Marvel first. But in 2019, it's more of the same. And I think that's pretty much my overall opinion on it. Like you said, it's not great, but it's not terrible either. It's kind of middle of the road, and it's because it kind of feels by the numbers. It's, it's, it's your, base, your basic origin story for a superhero. And I think it's funny, though, that... You know, we're getting because she seems to be such an integral part of Endgame that we're getting her origin story solely, like literally right before Endgame, we're getting her solo film, and it's just it, it feels weird considering that I, you know, and every, from everything I read in interviews, like Kevin Feige is going to make Captain Marvel like this, the leader of the Avengers after Endgame. She's going to be the centerpiece of that team. To introduce her to the populace so late is kind of an interesting move. Um, which is why I think maybe the film, just on its own merits, maybe is not making quite the splash critically um, that it probably would have. Maybe even I would even say like five years ago, it probably would have been a bigger deal. Um, but here, it just feels like it's a paint by the numbers average film. You know, I thought uh, people disagree with me, but I thought Brie Larson was great. I really enjoyed. Yeah, her. I don't get the Brie Lar- I don't get the Brie Larson hate. I think she was very good in this film. I I, I thought she was very charming and. Uh, yes. I, I bought I bought her when she wasn't Captain Marvel. I bought her when she was Captain Marvel. You know, I, I thought she was very good. I thought she was funny when, in in certain moments. I thought she was uh, she looked like a badass in other moments. Um, I don't know. I, I get. I've heard people call her wooden. I don't see it. I don't. I don't know. I thought she was fine. I thought she was perfectly acceptable and and, and a fun watch. I don't. I think of all of any of the film's flaws. That's not one of them. Well, she there's a lot of things that she's very subdued. In her in her acting, which is maybe they're mistaking that for being wooden, which I don't. I kind of see the nuance in like what she's doing in the situation in that scene and how she's supposed to be. She's not supposed to be like this, like you know, uh, crazy like yelling uh, person just yeah. Like when she, like the, the scene when she's talking to Fury in the in the bar and they're kind of you know getting to know one another. I like that scene. I really do because she's very subdued, but she's charming and she's likable. And, I mean, just overall she was like that. And she knew when to kind of turn up the volume and be this badass chick. I loved it. I, I loved her work. Um, I would have loved to have seen a little more from Sam Jackson. But, again, it wasn't his story. It was Brie Larson's story. It was Captain Marvel's story, I should say. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, they reduced the Fury to a sidekick. Well, isn't that really what he is in, in these MCU movies? He's, he's never really been, he's like always the been a lead. He's never been the lead. He's always just been the guy that – that kind of shows up for like a little. I mean, if you totaled up all of Sam Jackson's time in any of these movies, like it, it's probably like like wouldn't exceed more than like twenty minutes or something. Like, uh, and you know, we've been talking about going through Phase One, and, and you know, I just went through all of Phase One. Sam Jackson does not appear that often. Sam Jackson appears at the very end of Iron Man after the credits. 
He appears not. He doesn't appear in the Hulk. He appears for about five minutes in Iron Man two and Thor. He's not in Thor at all. I don't think uh, Captain America again at the very end uh, for about two minutes, and then he's the biggest role he has is in Avengers, and he, even then he's not really focused on that much. So right. he, he's not. Like, he's never been like the, the main focus of the story. So like people complaining about that, I think have lost their minds. And here's where I would say what. Do you think that – are you complaining that Nick Fury is a psychic here because he's psychic to a woman? Is that what it is? Like, that's what – I mean, again, not to uh, not to go back to that previous conversation, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know – and I'm not accusing anybody of having that feeling, but it kind of feels that way. That, you know, we never got this complaint about Sam Jackson or Nick Fury being a sidekick in these MCU films, but now in this movie it's a problem. I wonder why, right? You know, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, in uh, Avengers event- – he didn't save the world. He was just there. He, he was just on a freaking helicopter the whole time, the helicarrier the whole time. Like he didn't save the world. The most he did was stop a plane from taking off and nuking the the city, but another plane still took off. So like, and then he got everybody together, but that was it. Like it's it's not. I don't know. It, it's a stupid criticism. Um, back, back to the Brie Larson though. And I was thinking about it. I wonder if the reason people like he's more subdued is because. For the most part, every superhero, every Marvel superhero that we've gotten on screen in their own solo film has been kind of gregarious. Like Tony Stark uh, is is kind of like kind of fun and and he's got a lot of one liners. Thor is kind of goofy. Um, you know, Doctor Strange is kind of a pissed off asshole. Spider Man is is you know always making jokes and, and kind of funny. The only one that doesn't do doesn't do that really is Captain America um, and he's a little bit more subdued but nobody gives him crap for it right so like it, I, I kind of see her in the Captain America role and where in that in the sense that she's not she's not the one with like the outstanding personality she's just the one that like you know can get the job done you know and it, that that's again I see them I see a, comp- a comparison there and I don't see people complaining about Captain America I, I agree with that uh, and Kind of to shift gears a little bit. Again, um, so we love Brie Larson, uh, but kind of shift gears a little bit. I I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about this that much, but I just have to offer praise to the special effects department here because it seems like their de aging techniques are getting better and better with each film. Talk about Sam Jackson, our boy Clark Gregg as, as Agent Coulson, bro. He looked great here. Uh, Sam Jackson especially looked good. People said that yeah. Clark Gregg didn't. I didn't see that. I thought he looked I okay. People said he looked a little plastic. I was like, I, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't catch it. Maybe maybe the 3D glasses I was wearing, unfortunately, I had to watch it in 3D. <laughs> but maybe the 3D glasses I was wearing like dimmed that a little bit. But to me, he right. looked fine. He looked just like he did at the beginning of Iron Man. You know, um, so, excuse me, actually a little younger. Um, but Sam Jackson looked like he stepped out of, you know, Long Kiss Goodnight. He looked amazing. He looked perfect. Right, oh like God. he looked really awesome. good. Like I hope he gets like an Academy Award nomination for visual effects. Now the 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 space fight stuff, like that looks kind of your standard like right. blow them up CGI stuff. That's but but like the de aging stuff, they have mastered that stuff. And I and I'm, apparently, have you heard that like this uh, Scorsese movie that um, it's going to be on Netflix? Like what's it called? Like the Irishman. Apparently, Robert De Niro is doing the de aging thing for that too. So oh, it's gonna be because now that Marvel's kind of perfected it, like it does kind of call into question whenever you like have movies like that where, like again, it's kind of like I always bring up this example. Like I love Godfather too. I love Godfather too, right? And I love the best part of Godfather too is the is the Vito Corleone origin story, right? But and as much as fantastic as Robert De Niro is in that role, 
that's not what Marlon Brando looked like when he was young. You know, that's not what Marlon Brando looked like when he was young at all. Like, I now I buy it because De Niro's a great actor. But there's that little part of me that goes, no, I know what Marlon Brando looks like when he was like 25, and that's not him, right? You know what I mean? So but now, now, like, they can now, even with, like, movies that aren't, like, you know, superhero movies, like, they, they're going to be able to do this stuff where they're going to be able to make people look a lot younger than they are, you know? And, and, and we might see, like, you know, uh, young, uh, you know, young Robert De Niro, I guess, in The Irishman, or, well, if they want Robert Redford, they just have to cast Brad Pitt because they look exactly like, but, um, yeah, anyway. Um, I would have liked to see a little more from, uh, Annette Benning as Dr. Lawson, mm-hmm. uh, I thought she was great in the in the little parts that she did have, but I mean she wasn't really in it enough uh, for me for my liking. Um, same thing with uh, Ronan. I would have loved to have seen Lee Pace in a few more scenes. Way, bro. Like, I, just seeing him, that was cool. Yeah, I, I know we're bringing this up a lot, but the, another one, another thing that these people got all upset about was uh, was uh, Doctor Lawson. Uh, Doctor Lawson is the original Marvel. In the comics, the original Marvel is a dude, and they are so pissed off that that because <laughs> a lot of people thought it was going to because you know when you saw the trailers, you didn't know that Jude Law was Jan Rog, which is the character's name. People thought that oh, he must be the original Marvel because he kind of looks like what the original Marvel looked like, um, right. a, like you know, kind of standard white dude, you know, good looking, whatever. And, you know, obviously that didn't be the case. And then we got a net betting instead. And when I realized that they were going to, they were using that betting as Marvel, I was like, oh man, the nerds are going to hate this. Uh, <laughs> because in, in the, in the comics, his secret identity was Dr. Wendell Lawson. And then here she's Wendy Lawson and people are, you know, and you know what? Again, don't have a problem with it. She can be Marvel. I don't have a problem with that at all. Absolutely. Um, but speaking of Jude Law, he was really good here too, especially in his scenes together with Brie Larson. I thought he was fantastic. He was a really good heel, I think, for this film. Not not the over the top blown heel that sometimes we get with these types of movies, but a more and I and I I'm using this word a lot today, but a more subdued kind of methodical heel, and it kind of suited you know the story, suited the character at least in this uh, in this film. And I really enjoyed his performance. He was really really. Really, really good. Yeah, I think he was good, and he he seemed to be enjoying himself too. Like he, he seemed to like, even though he was more subdued. There kind there were points where I thought he maybe he was being a little handy, but not to the detriment of the film. But right. to the point where I was like, he's having fun. Like this is like this is like okay, I've done a bunch of serious stuff in my in my past. Like I'm gonna just put on a silly costume and have a little fun for you know for this movie. And and I think you can tell, you know. And, and he was he was you know he he and again we we're spoiling it because like, at the beginning he doesn't seem like a heel, and then halfway through you realize he is. That now this is one of my criticisms of the film is that like you kind of saw that coming. Like like within. Within like his first two or three scenes, I was like, "Oh, he's the heel." Like it, it seems, it just seemed to like it just seemed like he was going, he was going that direction. So it did seem a little uh, transparent. Um, so that is a criticism I have of the movie. Um, but yeah, it um, he was pretty good. He was he was very entertaining in this, in this movie. Same thing with uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, ben Mendelsohn. I love Ben Mendelsohn, awesome. bro. He's awesome. Here. Ben Mendelsohn is like the new. I'm he gets to, it, man. I'm trying to think of like a, a good like equivalent because like of a guy that like every time he shows up, you're like, all right, he's going to be awesome in this. And I can, I'm trying to remember like who who could compare him to. Um, I know we've done this before. I know we've said like, oh, this movie is great. Well, I would say Christoph Waltz as somebody. Like, whenever you see him, I'm, I'm just I'm happy to see. Yeah, him. but he's Christoph be Waltz awesome. doesn't have like the the big body of. Work, though like almost kind of like you know what he's, he's he's like a less goofy jeff goldblum like in the sense that go. like every movie jeff 
Goldblum is in is not necessarily good, but when you watch Jeff Goldblum in it, you're like, you're happy he's there, right? And it, it's it's not this quite the same, but it's kind of like every time you see Ben Mendelsohn, whether the movie is good or bad, he's awesome in it. Um, and, uh, and like, I mean, and he's always a bad guy. And, and I, because I, and I, I love that they played with this too, because he's always a bad guy. They totally flipped your expectations. Uh, and, and like, oh wait, actually he's a good guy. So that, that was probably like refreshing for him that he's not like another villain, you know, in this and he has ended up being like a good guy. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. I mean that guy. That guy's. So he's slowly working his way up to Goldblumhood. <laughs> as say, far as wackiness. Can I say real quick? I also love, 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 love the fact that the scrawls were in makeup and they weren't CGI. Um, obviously, they did CGI whenever they morphed, um, but whenever they're just like walking around, they're just dudes in makeup, and that looks so much Practical better. Practical effects, man. You gotta love it. So much better than than like, yeah, yeah, just so much better. Um, I also like uh, the Rambo family. They were very – the, the actors, they were very, very well done as well. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit too because to me, of course, me being the casual you know, MCU movie viewer, to me, you know, the Rambos are just Carol's friends, Carol's quote-unquote family. But they're not just that in the comics. No. So why don't you set a little bit of light on that? Monica, who's the little girl in the movie um... – so, all right, here, here's where, here's where comics get all, here's where comics history gets all screwed up. The original Captain Marvel in the comics was a dude. He was a white dude from Cree, came down, blah, blah, blah. He ended up actually dying in the comics of cancer, um, and they actually never brought him back. He's one of those dudes that, like, one of the few characters they ever brought back. Him and Uncle Ben are the only people they've never brought back. Everyone else has come back from the dead. Um, but even Bucky came back. Uh, that was one of the rules before too. Like, oh, Uncle Ben and Bucky are the ones that never come back, but Bucky ended up coming back. Um, but uh, uh, he died from from cancer. And then in the seventies, you bring in Carol Danvers, who did not start as Captain Marvel; she started as Miss Marvel, um, as a different superhero altogether, different powers altogether. And then she ended up kind of going away. And then in the eighties, we got another Captain Marvel, which was Monica, uh, as you know, but not as a little girl. She was like a full grown woman. Um, and Monica was Captain Marvel for a while. And then in the 90s, I think in the 90s, either in the late 90s or the early 2000s, Carol Danvers came back uh, as Captain Marvel. And then Monica's Captain Marvel went by Photon, I think. So it's interesting that they're doing this because from what my recollection and some a Marvel geek out there can help me out with this because it's, it's been a while and I haven't, I haven't brushed up on all my Captain Marvel history. I don't believe there was ever an actual history in the comics with Carol and Monica. Um, but they did, they rewrote that for this. And that's fine. That's, that makes total sense. Uh, and, uh, her being, uh, her being there is totally going to be, is there to like introduce Photon and like Captain Marvel 2 or something, right? Because that, because, because, you know, by the time Captain Marvel 2 comes out, she's going to be, you know, that character would be like in her thirties. So, um, that totally, that, that tracks. So yeah, that's why she's there is to basically tease the next Captain Marvel slash photon. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to get Monica in an end game, maybe like a little, a little scene here. I don't know. Maybe you might get her in a scene, like maybe like as a, an introduction or or something, but I wouldn't because it's just that there's so much, there's too many loose ends in that movie to wrap up to add like something else in there. You know what I mean? Now, one thing I have, one thing that's interesting is in the trailers for uh, Captain Marvel, or sorry, for Endgame, and the most recent trailer that they dropped after Captain Marvel, after everyone had already seen Captain Marvel, they, they teased Brie Larson at the very end. 
Um, and she, and at the end of this movie, you see her as well in the post credits. She doesn't look like she aged. So what? How are they going to explain that exactly? How are they going to explain? Maybe there's, that? Maybe there's some sort of like relative time relativity thing with uh, with where she was in space as opposed to where she is now, and kind of looks this interstellar thing where time moves slowly or something. I don't know. Maybe it's going something like that because she doesn't look like a day over the day that she was in the '90s, and that you know, twenty some years have passed. So uh, something doesn't track there. Did you? I mean, I'm glad this didn't gain any traction. I'm really glad. But did you read that little mini controversy about that Endgame trailer about how Brie Larson had makeup on? And they're like, oh, they're trying to sex up Brie Larson now. See, that's the difference between directing by a male and directing by a female. Like, just stop. Please stop. <laughs> quit, quit while you're ahead, people. Like, it's, just, I, it's such a stupid thing to get hung up on, you know? No. Oh, now Brie Larson's wearing makeup. That means you're, try, you're trying to sexualize her. I didn't even notice that, and I think... It's just a weird criticism to make. It is weird criticism, but it's like, but I'm glad that kind of fell off a cliff, and we're not hearing about it anymore. But anyway, um, so just kind of not so much wrap up the movie, but I do want to bring up one little nitpick that I had. Um, the beginning is very feels very long. It's it's not a long you know first half or you know first act I should say, but it feels a little uneventful and it's really not but it just feels that way and I, I and it's not just and I thought it was maybe just me feeling that but it's not until she's crashed into blockbuster video that I feel like the movie really gets going but before that when she's you know doing the Star Force thing on Kree or whatever planet they go on to fight the scrolls like it's I'm not really feeling any of the action yet you know? um, it's not until she gets to Earth that it, it really picks up no I didn't really feel that way I was pretty invested during that time I, I don't know I didn't feel that way at all um, but I will say, speaking of the blockbuster thing, how did you feel about like the, the 90s nostalgia in this movie? <laughs> I think they went a little far with it. I think there were times where I was like, okay, guys, we get it. It's the 90s. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like, like when she landed a blockbuster, you know, and I was like, okay, that's cute. Like, I like. I mean, you have to mention blockbuster. I mean, that was the one I would have, you know, accepted no matter what. But, yeah, and, and then you got and the, the soundtrack was very '90s as well. And that was fine too. Like, uh, the, this is a good soundtrack, you know, for people who grew up in the '90s. Uh, a lot of like grunge rock and things like that in that movie, and that's fine. But like, I felt like every now and then they made some sort of like reference in the '90s. I was like, okay, guys, all right, enough. Yeah, like the uh, Supreme Intelligence playing Nirvana, like. I, I mean, that was just kind of weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was kind of weird. Um, but, and then, you know, I mean, the fight scene she had with No Doubt playing, that was that was awesome, but it felt like a little on the that neck, is the that, That's the one, that's the hashtag feminism scene that I was talking about, the, where I was like, uh, where I was like, as soon as uh, I'm Just a Girl started playing, I was like, okay, guys, I get it. We get it. I get it. Like, <laughs> It's fine. You know, you know what the, you know what, it, you know, it does, I don't want to take away from the scene because it's a really it's a great ass kicking yeah. scene. And, but to compare it to Wonder Woman, where she, you know, gets onto the battlefield and then like, you know, is, has the shield up and all the bullets are hitting her and then she just walks through it. And, and you know, there's all the only music you hear, obviously, is like the, the score and everything like that. But that's a much more, I don't want to say subtle because there's nothing really subtle about that scene, but it's, it's a much more effective scene than this one where you have to, I'm just a girl playing because you know, you know what it would, so in that, in that movie, in Wonder Woman, when she's doing that and she's kicking ass, she's walking through no man's land, right? 
but they don't make uh, they don't make that they don't make a button out of that, right? Like she just gets up, walks through no man's land, kicks ass, and gets everyone through the through the front line, right? But there's not a moment where she stops and go where they go, that's no man's land. She goes, I'm no man. You know, they don't say that, right? <laughs> that is the equivalent of of playing I'm just a girl during that that fight scene. You know what I mean? Like that's the equivalent. Like you can do it and have an awesome standout like badass woman warrior moments without making it so obvious and driving it into your nut head. Now that said, I'm sure there were like seven year old girls that saw that and heard that and they were like, Yeah I'm just saying as a, from the point of view as a film critic, it just seemed like a little much. You could have used another song there or just whatever, like and it would have been perfect. And but that I'm just a girl song in there is just going a little a little bit too much. Speaking of kind of on the nose moment, this was I mean, this was kinda of cool at the end, but I'd be lying if I didn't roll my eyes just a little bit when uh, Nick Fury revealed Carol Avenger Danvers. That was, was the name for the, <laughs> that was a little. That was uh, lame. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I, I didn't like that either. I was a little lame. Yeah, um, because I'm sure. I, is there a comic history to back that up? No, or the, that's just there to, to justify the name Avengers. Uh, I knew it. <laughs> it's it's no. That that was lame. I I didn't like that either. Um, the other kind of kind of hashtag feminism moment that I thought was made. I don't think it crossed over to lame, but it, it potentially could have is like whenever Jude Law, when they're a big fight with Jude Law and like he takes off all his gears, like, come on, prove it to me, man to man, or, you know, hand to hand or whatever. And she just blasts him in the chats and she goes, I have nothing to prove to you. I feel like that's good. It was fine. But I was like, if they would have done it like just a little bit different, it could have crossed over into that cheesy territory. You know what I mean? Right. That was to me. That was another hashtag feminism. But like, it seemed show. like because she was looking down at him, and the camera was up on Carol. Carol was looking directly into the camera, and she says, "I have nothing to prove to you." It almost felt like it almost felt like that was a filmmaker's going. Brie Larson is telling all the male trolls out there, "I have nothing to prove to you." You know what I mean? It's almost like they anticipated it, and she, then they, they did it. I'm, I'm still okay because it was a cool. It was a cool moment, but I almost felt like that was calculated. You know? Oh, definitely. I agree with but again, well. I'm trying to see this like this is going to be a movie that like uh, uh, when my daughter's old enough, I'm going to let her. I'm going to show it to her. She's probably going to love it because she's she actually is starting to get into superheroes and stuff. But she's not quite old enough to like watch like Marvel movies yet. Because as I was watching, I was trying to watch it through the eyes of a parent, and they are still pretty violent <laughs> for like a four year old. So um, yeah, uh, yeah I, like I don't want her to watch them yet. But like when she gets to that point. Like I think she saw that, you know. Right. Um, one more point before we kind of wrap up Captain Marvel. Um, this kind of goes back to my point about how they're doing a Captain Marvel film like so close to Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tesseract is kind of important here, you know. And we're and it's funny because we're rewatching Phase One. Yeah. We're like the main like MacGuffin is the Tesseract in those in those movies and now it's here again as an important power source and it's like we're, so we're doing this again yeah, and, and I was trying to follow the bouncing ball on it and figure out how it got there Cause, so we see the first time we see it is in Captain America because at first right. I thought it was Thor but that thing in Thor is not the Tesseract um, it's something different, um, it's different uh, but the first time we see it is in Captain America and and the reason I thought it was the same thing from Thor is because when the Red Skull finds it 
in Captain America, he finds it in Norway. Um, and it's like hidden behind some like, like, uh, Norwegian, like God type stuff, right? And like the wall or something. And then in that scene too, they mentioned like Odin. Yeah, too, and they mentioned right? Odin, but like, whenever, whenever you watch Thor, and it looks like the Tesseract, it's like this blue, like square thing. Square thing. It's, and I looked it up on Wikipedia, it's, it's called something else. It's like called the cask of winter or something or other. Because it has different powers. It freezes everything in Thor. And in, and in, 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 it doesn't have the same power in Captain America. So I don't, that's why I think people might get confused because it, it you think it's the same thing from Thor, but it's not. Anyway, so we first find it in Captain America. And then at the end of Captain America, it like falls into the ocean. And then Howard Stark finds it. Right. But then, when you go to Avengers, it's still in shield possession, right? So one, but in this movie, which kind of takes place in the middle, uh, the Skrulls have it. So, and you, you think they have it because Wendy Lawson gave it to him. So at what point did it transfer from like Howard Stark and to, to Wendy Marvel. Lawson yeah. back to shield? You know what I mean? Did shield loop? Well, we know, how it, well, we know how it got back to shield because of goose. But, right. No. Yeah. Um, we know how it got back, but how did it, how did Shield lose it in the first place to get the exactly. Lawson? You know what I mean? Yes. That's what. I, that's that's the kind of part that's a little. I think they they maybe got too cute with it. I think that's the problem. Like, because we don't. Because again, at the end of Captain America, you find out that Howard Stark had it, uh, found it, and then in Avengers, it's in Shield custody. So, right. I feel like that was unnecessary to Captain Marvel because it just adds a further wrinkle into it that doesn't need to be there. You know what I mean? And then, and then, and then I think after the trajectory is pretty easy because I think after Avengers, Thor takes it back to, um, Asgard and it stays there till Ragnarok. And then that's when, uh, Thanos takes it when they escape. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it seems like they added a transfer in there that didn't need to be in there. And like, I feel like that was just a way to like tie it into the other movies and like try to like kind of wink at the audience and I was like, uh, you don't need that there. It just, it just, it seems like you could have had another MacGuffin in there for that, you know? Yeah. Like uh, the Tesseract is already, yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. So one thing that I, one criticism I also noticed, I don't know if I necessarily agree, just because of how well acted the film is, especially with between the chemistry between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson is really good here, uh, which is maybe why I don't see it as much as others do, but, do you feel that just the events of this one film you – know, and, and let's say it takes place well, over a couple of days probably, not even like too long you know, in, in movie time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that with just this one adventure they both had that they grew close enough to where Captain Marvel is his backup plan now that they're like these, these two best of friends that now you know – Nick Fury just kind of <laughs> considers her like like the emergency option if the Avengers like fail, you know? Because people are saying, well, I mean, I don't really see the chemistry between them, but I don't know why. Just after this one mission, like they're now like best friends, and now he's considering her like you know Plan X or whatever for Thanos. So, like, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's I don't have a problem with it. Like, I don't I, I didn't even think about that at all. I didn't even register. Yeah, it's one thing. I, like I haven't heard it from people, but I've just some reviews I've read kind of mentioned eh, this, that you know. I don't know. I think that's a. I don't. I don't. See, I don't see. I don't know if that's I don't a valid. Really see it either. The one thing I will yeah. say though is it does making this movie in the past as they have uh, it does introduce the 
kind of flaw of like, okay, when Loki was attacking New York, why didn't you call her then? Or whenever Ultron was devastating the world, why didn't you call her then? You know what I mean? Uh, kind of valid. It, it's like, why yeah. now? You know what I mean? Like, it, it just seems like, or any of the other Marvel movies where there was like world threatening things where the Avengers weren't necessarily involved. You know, like. Others have brought this up. Others have brought this up. The only way you really explain it is that, oh, well, you know, Fury thought that the Avengers could handle it, and Captain Marvel's only when the Avengers failed is when he would call her. That's the way people are explaining it, but I don't know if I really buy that. Because it's kind of like, uh, it's one of those uh, cop-out excuses. Yeah, because like, alright, so what is it about... Okay, he sees people disappearing around him in New York. Like, okay, I get, I get why he would do it then, because it's like, well, if I, I might disappear, uh, I only have one more shot, right? Like, I have to do it now, it's now or never. But again, it's like, why... Why not before? I feel because like when you watch when you watch uh, Avengers, as I just I watched it recently, like two days ago, and it's like that's a pretty heavy, that's a pretty heavy deal, right? Like a lot of right. the, and maybe he didn't have time. I don't know because it, it might take her time to get there. But still, it remember just, he was arguing with Powers Booth most of the time. <laughs> true, I forgot Powers Booth was in that. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Powers Booth, one of the yeah. best best named actors of all time. Um, yes, that's right. But it, it just seemed like okay. Yeah, I just feel like there were other world-threatening emergencies that that could she could have been useful in, you know. Exactly. That's the only gripe that's, I have. That's with. the other thing. As, as <laughs> with with uh, with with um, with them sitting in a different time. I guess I get why they did it because they want to have her because he. A lot of people, like you said earlier, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, they're speculating that Captain Marvel's going to lead the Avengers going forward. And that's nothing out of the ordinary. She has done it in the comics, so settle down, nerds. She's done it before in the comics. Um, so, so you got to kind of get her in before Endgame. I get that. But again, it's just kind of like, I almost feel she could have waited till after the Endgame just because it just seemed, she seems like a little bit shoehorned in, a little bit. Right, right. But, uh, a final nerdy question. This may, this may be a premature question to ask, um, but since you're the comic book guy, uh, I figured I would ask you. This is just your personal opinion. Um, who has the real – because I've seen this a lot now, like especially with Shazam coming out. Who has the real Captain Marvel, DC or Marvel? Well – Who's the real Captain Marvel? <laughs> Marvel has that name. They won the lawsuit or whatever it was. They won the settlement. That said – the original okay. Captain a, Marvel is the DC one. Now, the reason – this is where it gets convoluted, right? Captain Marvel was not originally a DC superhero. He was part of a, a brand of comics called Fawcett. Uh, I forget the other heroes involved in that line, but it, it, Captain Marvel was the uh, was part of that. Captain Marvel was named that before Marvel Comics existed. Um, they Marvel Comics became an entity in like the 60s, and Captain Marvel existed as a separate character – I think in the 40s, right? Uh, and, it, and it continued to exist, and then it kind of fell out of publication, and then DC bought the rights to that, uh, to the Captain Marvel. Uh, um, and uh, But by the time that they bought the rights to Captain Marvel, Marvel had already created their own Captain Marvel, so then it became like a big legal battle, and then which Marvel ended up winning, which, and there you go. So it's kind of like they both have the real one, you know, because Marvel has it legally, but truly, the original Captain Marvel is DC's version. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of a <laughs> a lot of a camel humps and, and yeah, that, that's the most succinct way that. I can put it. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that's basically yeah. that is the long, 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 long story short version of it. And by the way, and people, not to get ahead of myself, we will talk about this in due time. But Shazam is awesome. I have heard it's really it good. Awesome. I've heard it's really good. I've heard that uh, with it, this. Uh, that, you know, you add this to, to Wonder Woman and Aquaman, they finally kind of turn the table. This might be my favorite one yeah. out of all those three. And I'm just glad, uh, again, this is premature, but again, I'm just glad that Zack Snyder is not behind the camera for this. Like, somebody who knows how to have fun and relax and kind of make things cheery, you know, just kind of have fun with this instead of being all dark and sad and brooding all the time. You know, this movie got it right. And I think DC's starting to make a turnaround now, which is uh, good. But we'll talk about that more in a couple but before, weeks. Before you, don't spoil anything for me, but do they connect at all to any of the other movies? Kind of. Okay. All right, we'll leave it at that. Kind of. Okay. Uh, but as far as just, as this Captain Marvel goes, um, like we said before, like we love the acting. Like This is a great cast. It really is. Great cast. Um decent enough story you know it was a fun story it was a fun movie overall um it kind of opened up a, uh, some questions in regards to the previous films so that we kind of, they kind of have, they have to explain or i don't know what they're gonna have to retcon things but, like they, it, yeah, and that's that, that's the kind of thing that bothers me um yeah. yeah but other than that i mean it's like you said it's not one of the greatest mcu films it's not horrible or terrible it's just middle of the road which i kind of feel like 10 years ago this would have been like an amazing people would have, you know given it a little more uh, more props than it's getting right now. But I just it's it's still a, a decent enough film, strong enough film, um, definitely watchable. Especially if you're trying to catch it before Endgame. This is I would say like story wise, it's a must watch. But um, yeah, it's kind of like you know you, you kind of touched on something there. Was it what, what, if it had been released before? And it's like even the shittiest superhero movies now. Well, I shouldn't say even the shittiest, but like even like the kind of most mediocre ones like Iron Man three or something or Iron Man two. Um, if you like, just compare that to like any of the '90s superhero movies we got, and you, we'll get to that. And you'll just be yes. like, okay, yeah, this was better, All right? But it's it's kind of like you know we, we've been spoiled, right? We have been spoiled. Um, but it's 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 middle of the road. It's formulaic. Like it it's, it uses the Marvel formula, and it uses the Marvel formula very well. But it doesn't break any new ground, right? Um, and it's and, and if, if you're looking for like an entertainment, you know, just an entertaining popcorn movie, this is what it is. It's not, it's not a groundbreaking film, but I'm sure again, many little girls who went to see it loved it, and it's making a ton of money. It's at 834 million dollars in like what three weeks or so. That's very impressive. So it, it's right. a it's a big money maker, and, and it's you know made Brie Larson a superstar. Um, it's it's fine. It's it's perfectly acceptable Marvel movie. Not not Civil War, not Infinity War, you know, but perfectly acceptable. Yeah, not even Black Panther. I would. Yeah, say. I wouldn't put it there. It, it, there's what twenty movies. This is the twenty first movie. The twenty because Endgame is twenty two. So out of the twenty one, yeah. it's probably like at number twelve or thirteen. You know what I mean? I, I haven't actually ranked every all of them. I'm just saying like. You know, it's it's kind of in the it's like better than Hulk, it's better than Iron Man Two, better than Iron Man Three, better than Thor: The Dark World, but it's not as good as like Guardians or Winter Soldier or things like that. You know, right? Uh, but we kind of speaking of you know ten years ago, nineties. Um, 
we felt that as a little bit of an introduction to our MCU retrospective, we'll just briefly talk about Marvel before the MCU, um, which has a, it, it has its highs, like the X-Men films, like, you know, the first two Spider-Man movies, to things like Captain America <laughs> from the, well, from the 80s, was it? the 70s? There is a 70s Captain America, well, there's a 40s Captain America, there's a 70s Captain America, and then there's a 90s Captain America. Uh, right, from going from that to 70s Spider-Man to 70s Doctor Strange to 70s, to uh, 90s Fantastic Four from our boy Roger Corman that never officially came out. But if you really wanted to see it, there's there's ways to see it, and I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, yeah. So when it comes to Marvel, again, and this is – we're just speaking – talking about Marvel. You know, We're not bringing Batman, Superman, anything DC or any other comics into this. We're just talking strictly Marvel. And what's funny about Marvel is that it really is hit or miss. I mean, I, a lot, the early stuff seems kind of bad. I don't think it really turned around until maybe X Men was probably the first like really good Marvel or Marvel. Film. No, I would say I, I, I give that to Blade. I think Blade was a really good film. Oh, uh, you know what it is? I never really, I never seen Blade. Oh, either. Blade's so a good movie. That's it's one fun to actually catch up. On. Blade and Blade Two are really fun. Blade Trinity is shit. Don't watch it. Oh, okay, <laughs> there we go. So then, between like Blade and X Men, that was really like the first time that like Marvel films were like. Really, you know, really well received commercially and critically. Um, before that, it's it, it was a lot of cheesiness. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let, let's kind of start with because I love the cap, the old Captain America. Because I still remember the skits when Conan O'Brien would show like the new uh, what he used to uh, show the new clips from Captain America of the first Avenger when it was coming out, and he would just show seventies clips from Captain America with him on the bike, <laughs> and then the bad guys like exaggerating everything. Uh, those are good times, but uh, but kind of. What are your memories of like early Marvel? Like let's, let's kind of do like pre X Men. Do you have you seen any of those old? I've Marvel seen them all. Films or I've seen every single I've one. Seen of them all. I've seen every <laughs> single damn one of them, including the 1944 Captain America serial, which is boring as hell. And um, yeah, it's not a, it's not fun at all. It's it, now again, and we've kind of talked. I think we talked about it with the Batman serial. We did the Batman retrospective. It's like serials aren't meant to be watched all over once because if you watch the Captain America serial all at once it's like six hours and it's really boring you're really supposed to watch them in chapters but even then I don't think that's a very particularly good uh, good movie and it's like he's carrying a gun the whole time he doesn't have a shield he's not, he's not Steve Rogers he's like something else uh, and it's it's really bad um, so I have seen that um, now as far as the other ones I'm going to tell you a little a little story Back in the early 90s, um, the, the, when the Sci-Fi Channel first kind of launched, there was one kind of summer where they did a Marvel superhero marathon. And it was all of those 70s made-for-television movies. It was it was the Incredible Hulk TV movie, the pilot episode before they turned into series. It was the two Captain America movies. It was a Doctor Strange movie. Uh, it was, it was the, it was all the Spider-Man episodes, which were basically like hour long, like hour long movies. And then, um, the, the TV, the Incredible Hulk TV movies from the eighties. So it was like all, so like I remember getting so psyched because I was a huge Marvel zombie back then. And I just took my tape and I like, uh, and I recorded, I put it on SLP, recorded it for six hours, switched the tape out, recorded the, like the rest of the marathon. And then like one day I just sat and watched it. And I was like, as I was watching, it was like, Oh, <laughs> these are really cheesy. 
Um, but I think the first one chronologically would be the Spider-Man show from the, from 1977. Um, yes. And uh, that was, it was called The Amazing Spider-Man. And when you watch it, it's not terrible. Uh, it's not great, but it's not bad. Like the the, I will say I'm a little impressed with like the fact that they had like a stunt man like kind of scaling the walls, like building the stuff. But what was always funny was like they you know they they said it was in New York, but it's clearly Los Angeles, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know they had a J. Jonah Jameson, and you know and he, but there was never any supervillains. It was always just him fighting like criminals, like the standard mob people and stuff like that. It wasn't bad. It, it was it was silly, but it wasn't terrible. the 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 guy who played Spider Man was Nicholas Hammond, who was uh, one of the kids from The Sound of Music, um, and who also, by the way, randomly, I, I I was looking at the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood cast. He's in that movie. I don't know as what, but he's in that movie. Oh, wow. Um, so like now, the thing is with that show, the first like two or three episodes were like longer than an hour. They were like TV movies, and they aired them. Um, as TV movies, and then they, as, and then they made like a, a series of it, of like, I think 10 episodes, and they were like shorter, they're like an hour long. But like, um, some of the TV movies and some of like the two part episodes, they bundled together and, and actually released them theatrically in like weird markets like Portugal and Brazil and things like that, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and so like technically some of them are theatric release movies, but, uh, but not in the United States. Um, if you go to actually own them uh, on on DVD, uh, they were hard to find, but I, I managed to get them. I don't think they're technically illegal, but um, but they're they're if you find them on YouTube, they're kind of entertaining for a little bit. I don't know. I would not suggest watching the whole series though. Right. I mean, the only as far as like seventy stuff, the only real um, experience I have is with the Incredible Hulk. I know my grandfather used to watch that show. My mom has memories, you know, of, of Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. You know, my uncle used to watch that show as well. So, you know, I have memories. And then, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, they would rerun the show all the time, like, on different channels. So there was still reruns of this going on at that time. So I would, you know, remember as a kid, just kind of channel surfing, and it would be, like, on. And my mom was like, oh, it's the Incredible Hulk. Let's watch it, you know. So uh, those are, like, my only memories of, like, pre-80s stuff. I wouldn't even say pre-90s stuff. It's just really the Incredible Hulk. Like, everything was, like, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. I didn't discover till like... I would even say like a few years ago right. that they even existed, especially even Japanese Spider-Man, which is a wacky thing. Even in well, yeah, that's that's complete. I can't even talk about that. I have no no connection to that at all. I've seen clips, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> um, then we then we had Doctor Strange in 1978, and this was just kind of a boring movie. Like there was some magic and stuff, and and I think the bad guy was the lady from uh, Arrested Development, um, Jessica Walters. Um, but for the most part, it was like the guy, I'll give him credit. They got the costume pretty right. It looks kind of cheesy as hell and like with a 1970s budget, but the costume is more or less correct. <laughs> um, but this one's also really lame, really cheesy, really kind of cheesy special effects. I don't know why they chose Doctor Strange of all different uh, characters to run with as a TV movie. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that one was pretty... Doctor Strange, though, with that 70s porn yeah. stash he's got rocking, yeah. bro. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and then, of course, the piece de resistance of the 70s, Captain America. Bro. Well, there was two I Captain mean... America movies. There was Captain yes. America and Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. And I believe <laughs> our, our, our boy Christopher Lee was the villain in Captain America 2. Um, it's funny because if you look at the first Captain America, his costume's all wrong. Like, it's just, it looks like an evil Knievel outfit, right? 
Um, but in but in Captain America two, they actually get it right. It's actually more comics accurate. Um, but the the, right. the headpiece is still off. Like he's never. It's never like a cowl. Like 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 it is now. It's always like a motorcycle helmet, and it just looks terrible. Um, and again, both of these were television movies. I don't think um, they were ever intended to be. Like with the Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and the Hulk, they were all pilots for a series. Obviously, Spider Man and Hulk got the, the series, but Doctor Strange never did. Captain America, I don't think was ever intended to be a series. They just made two separate movies, and that was it. Uh, again, they're both horrific. And if you've seen those Conan episodes, they are pretty hilarious. Right. Oh man. Uh, so then, going on to the this went to the eighties. I mean, you really had what the Punisher. And Howard the Duck. You had Punisher <laughs> and Howard the Duck, and both of them are pretty terrible. Although you've seen Howard oh, the I, Duck, I seen Howard the Duck. It has some charm as like a, as like a, like a, a so bad it's good kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, like where you watch it just for like the cheesiness of it, um, but it's still kind of bad. Uh, the Punisher is really bad because not only is it Dolph Lundgren not being able to act yet. Um, <laughs> Even though he turned into a decent actor with Creed. In Creed 2, he's really good. Creed 2, he's really awesome. Uh, and he wasn't bad enough man either, but in Creed 2, he's really good. Um, but in this movie, he's terrible. And his his hair is, like, so obviously dyed. And he doesn't ever wear the skull shirt. Um, and it's just, like, it's just kind of your standard, like, guy gets revenge against the mob kind of movie. It's not, it's like, you could have put, like, John claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal in that role and it would have been the same thing. You know what I mean? It's not that, it wasn't very good. Um, he was, for some reason, like, had, like, some, like, rhyming homeless guy with him the whole time. Like, I don't know what, it's comic relief. I don't know why. It was terrible. Um, it's a bad movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you also had, like, the, uh, the incredible, there's a couple more Incredible Hulk films that were attempts to revive the TV And they had but... special Marvel characters in them. Oh, yes, really? in The Incredible Hulk... I believe the Incredible Hulk returns or the death of the Incredible Hulk. I can't remember which one is which one it is. Thor shows up and it's like wow. <laughs> it's like this is if you want if, like whenever the first Thor movie came out, I was always thinking of this Thor appearance cuz like this could go so horribly wrong. And it's like just look at just look him up. Look it up on YouTube like Incredible Hulk uh, Thor episode and then you'll you'll see it's so bad, dude. It's like the worst. He's like got a furry outfit. Um, he's got like this really ridiculous helmet he's always wearing. Uh, it's really bad. Um, and then the other one, the trial of the Incredible Hulk has Daredevil, but he's not, the, the, he's, he's, he's blind. And I think he's got like the extra powers of like being able to hear and, and, and all that stuff. Oh, I'm looking but at it right now, dude. <laughs> he's dressed in oh, black. This is great. Which one are you looking at? Oh, I'm looking at it's um, the Incredible Hulk Returns. Okay. I'm looking at him right now. That's that that's that's really out there, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, and I've seen all yeah, well, like they're all, they're all terrible shows. Uh, I think you can get some of these like on Amazon. It's like individual episodes. Um, but yeah, the Trial of the Incredible Hulk has has Daredevil like all in black, and it's it's actually kind of close to what he looked like in the beginning of um. The Daredevil show and on Netflix. I'm not sure if you ever saw that. Um, it, it, it looks a little similar to that, but a lot worse. Right. Yeah, I, I see it too. It's a it's all black out. Yeah, and saying, it's right? it's a, yeah. it's a I lot worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, those are pretty bad. Those those are all terrible. Marvel did not have a good track. And here's the other thing that we didn't talk about is that 
uh, Marvel, um, Stan Lee was always trying to get Marvel movies made, right? And uh, in the 80s, there was a there was an effort to get a Spider-Man movie made by our friends at Golden and Globus. Um, Uh, That never ever materialized, uh, obviously. Um, But they had like ads for it, and they had like um, uh, if you ever watched the um, if you ever watched the Electric Boogaloo movie, um, have you seen that yet? The documentary. Gotta watch it. It's so good. But it, they they talk about this this thing that they used to do where they'd go to like Cannes or like other film festivals, and they would just have posters, right? And like they didn't have a movie; they just created posters with like a title, and they'd sell that to people for like financing, and then they'd make the movie out of it, right? And like so, like they wouldn't even have an idea; they would just have like an, an interesting like thought or like title or whatever, and they try to sell that to people. And, and then one of those things is Spider-Man. They had like a guy in a Spider-Man suit or something. They tried to sell that to different people, which I think is how the rights to the Spider-Man movie got all fucked up for, for years and years and years. But yeah, so that, that movie did not ever materialize, but it was in the works for a long time with Globus in the 80s. So, um, so shifting to the 90s a little bit. I mean, there was a couple of things in, uh, before we get to our main two things. Uh, there was a couple of television films. Like one was Death of the Incredible Hulk uh, that we mentioned. It was 1990. Um, they did a pilot for Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that never got That is one I have not yet. I have never seen. And the same thing with Generation X. I, didn't, I don't even know what that is. I guess that's a Marvel comic, but that was also an unproduced uh, – a pilot for an unproduced Yeah, so series. Generation X um, was a comic book in the 90s. It was like the new – Generation X was basically like the new X-Men, like, I shouldn't say the new X-Men. They were like, they were like the current students at the Xavier School that weren't X-Men yet, but they were mutants and they were like learning how to use their powers and things like that. And they were called Generation X. Um, and they had a comic book for like a couple of years and then they made that, uh, uh, then they made that TV movie, which was not good. It's actually probably better than some of that stuff we've already talked about. Um, but it's still not very better or worse than X Men Apocalypse, bro. Well, it's better. It, it's not X Men Apocalypse is better. Um, X Men Apocalypse. The thing with X Men Apocalypse is that it's just kind of mediocre. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think it's just mediocre. It's just kind of, eh. You know, like it, it didn't like. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was just kind of like, eh. Whereas, what about Last Stand? That's a harder one. <laughs> I don't know. Just you know, it's always you know, it's always funny to compare. But when you really think about it, it's like okay, these movies had these television films had like no production value, no real actors in them. You know, it's kind of hard to like say that it's not you know, it's better than like some shitty Hollywood produced movie, right? But it, it's not very good. Right. I never saw the Nick Fury one. It had David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury, though, um, which I think is hilarious. I think that was yes, pilot um, too, but I never watched it. Right. But uh, other than Blade in the nineties, which you're saying is is, is good, <laughs> so I'm definitely going to try to check that out now. I kind of overdue to see Blade. Um, we had Captain America, which I did watch this nineties Captain America. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it, yes, it, it is. What, out of all of these, I've seen Howard the Duck and this Captain America bro, and it's that's uh, really out. That there, Captain but. America is so bad, and it's like um, the rubber ears on the suit. It's like why couldn't you just cut holes in the mask? <laughs> Why are there rubber ears on the suit? And then the film that's uh, basically the stuff of legend, bro. The Corman Fantastic Four. The Corman Fantastic Four. There's a great documentary out there called Doomed, 
the story of the fan- Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. It's very, it's very good. Everyone should check it out. Uh, it kind of goes behind, it gets all the actors, interviews all the actors for it. Um, I, and, and every, like, it goes into like a whole thing. I think they get Stanley in it. I'm not sure if I remember Stanley's in that documentary or not. But like, they get a bunch of people for, to interview for it. And it's really, it's really entertaining. Um, a really entertaining documentary. The Fantastic Four you can find on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's in its full glory. It's, you're never gonna find a good version of it. Because the only versions that you you see are like really bootleg copies that people have uploaded. Because basically, I think Marvel had the the negatives destroyed. Because there was never, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the hall the Star Wars holiday special. Like the original doesn't exist because Lucas just destroyed it. Um, but the 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 that movie was only made to keep the rights. Uh, for Roger Corman to keep the, like, no one ever, they never intended to, to release it. What the sad thing is, is that all the actors, like, didn't really realize that when they were making it, and they were really trying. You know, and some of them worse than others, right? But, uh, but, you know, the sad thing is, it's probably the best Fantastic Lore movie we've had. <laughs> Even though we've had like just, just wait, just wait a few more years. Yeah, even though we've had three theatrical released movies with like big, huge budgets and and hall and big name actors in them, this is probably still the best version of the Fantastic Four we've seen. I know now that Marvel does have the rights back, I expect that to change. Um, but it, it it actually got the spirit of it right, you know. Um, but it's it's pretty horrendous. Like just warn, just warning anybody out there, the effects are pretty hilarious. Um, but you can find it on YouTube. Right. So things start to turn around with Blade, and then they really start to turn around with X-Men a couple of years after that. Um, I still love that first X-Men movie. That and X2, which was from 2003, I, I love both those movies. Those movies are awesome. Um, same thing with Spider-Man, which we already reviewed on this show in the past, which are Spider-Man retrospective. Um, and then, but O three 3 had X2. But it also had Hulk and Daredevil. Yeah. I mean, Daredevil, I, and it's, what's funny is that I... I like Daredevil more than Hulk. Hulk is just so confusing to me, that O3 Hulk. And it's just, it, 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 that's angling, I think. And um, I don't know, I think people are a little too hard on Daredevil. I, I kind of like enjoy for its wackiness, for Colin Farrell being wacky. Um, but Hulk was just, like, I, I, just I, I, I watched it like twice, and then I never watched it again. After. No, it's funny, because I think Hulk ends up being, is a better movie if, of the two of them. And I've watched it recently after like having having not watched it for like ten years or something, and you know what? It's not as bad as I remember. He's trying to do something interesting. Ang Lee was trying to do something interesting with it. I don't know if he succeeds, but he tried to do something different, and I can't really fault someone for doing that. You know what I mean? Um, the result isn't great, but the effort is there. You know what I mean? I, I just didn't, and I'll never forget sitting there like watching that big final battle with the cloud. Yeah, that, that was he bad. Was having. That was bad. And I'm just like, um, did I miss something? <laughs> this is me back in 2003. I was like 16, I think I was watching this, and it was just, I was just so lost and confused at <laughs> what I was watching. But yeah, but I have more fond memories of Daredevil than that movie. Um, um, and then the next year we had Spider-Man 2, Blade Trinity, which you say was was shit. Oh. <laughs> so maybe I'll avoid that one. Um, and The Punisher, which I only seen it once. It's kind of so-so to me. I don't know if you think it's bad, but I think it's just kind of a so-so movie. John Travolta, I know, hands it really hands it up. It's 100%. okay. It's not, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just middle of the road. Right. 
Um, something that was not middle of the road was Electra. I've never actually seen it, and I, I'm just I'm, I actively avoid that movie because I just I never heard anything good about it, so I never watched it. But the same year, we also had the first Fantastic Four, which I do like. I, I have fond memories of that first Fantastic Four, even though like looking back now, it is it's kind of dumb. But I do I I, I like it for like more nostalgic reasons than anything else. And when we got Captain America, Chris Evans for the first time, really, True. <laughs> here as the Human Torch, so that was, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Um, and then the next year was Last Stand. Less said about that, the better. <laughs> um, uh, what do you think of our boy Nick Cage and Ghost Rider? Uh, this kind of falls into so bad it's good for me. Like, I think the movie's nah. really cheesy and bad. And Nick Cage, I love Nick Cage. I will watch him in anything. Um, but this is not a good movie. <laughs> but it's kind of entertaining to watch Nick Cage ham it up. But it, the movie's terrible. <laughs> um, Spider-Man 3 we've talked about that enough on this show in the past so let's let's leave that alone um, and then Rise of the Silver Surfer which is 2007 so this is a year before Iron Man which is the first in the MCU movies so with Rise of the Silver Surfer yeah it's bad and it's noticeably bad because I don't know if you really noticed this too but like but the quality just the, the, the picture quality between the two films looks staggeredly different it just this just looks even though it's supposedly a high budget film it looks like a low budget movie to me you know, it's just and that's why I can I can never like really watch this anymore because it just it looks bad. Just not, I'm just talking about the acting, just not any, just the look of the film. It just looks bad. You know, and it's, which is a, a big contrast from the first movie, in my opinion. But what do you think of this one? And give us big giant purple Galactus instead of give us a fart cloud. So I'm not <laughs> not super happy with Silver, the Silver Surfer movie. Yeah, well, I hope we get him back now. Like, well, he's back now. He's this. back in the fold. Yeah. We'll see what they do with him. Now, remind me. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Was Galactus in Doctor Strange or was that just... Galactus? Um, it, Mef- no, Galactus was not in Doctor Strange. No. It was Mephisto. Thinking of Dormammu. Or, no. Dormammu. There Galactus... You know. so I'm, get, I'm getting yeah, ahead of these guys confused. Galactus is a... Uh, you know, he's, 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 he's a world-eating kind of entity. He's like the biggest... One of the biggest bads Marvel has. And I'm assuming... It's probably going to be one of the next phases they go to. To it's like, I mean, the, all phase one, not phase, they're calling it the Infinity Saga now. Phase one, two, and three is the Infinity Saga. I'm not sure if you caught that uh, recently, but um, so the big bad was Thanos, right? So now they're going to need a new big bad. Doctor Doom seems like a decent, uh, decent candidate. Galactus is a, probably another big one, um, but we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that goes. And then, like we said. Following Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, 2008, had Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, the Punisher Warzone. Oh, my God, Punisher Warzone is so much fun. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's hyper-violent. It's so violent, but and it's and it's exactly what the Punisher should be. Like, it's exactly what the Punisher should be. You should watch it. Oh, okay. So then I'll add Punisher Warzone and then the two Blade movies to yeah. uh, to my watch list then. But we're gonna we're gonna stop there because obviously that's the same year as Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, which we'll talk about on our Phase One uh, MCU uh, chronology. Maybe we'll get to some of these other like Marvel films like in passing throughout this uh, retrospective. But um, we're gonna stop here. So with that, we're gonna wrap up for perspective. Uh, any questions, comments, or feedback? Just send an email to fpmpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, Adolfo, do you have any plugs for us today? Um, yeah, essentialfilmspodcast dot com. The essential podcast. Palmcast podcast 
is uh, is available on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and Google Play. Uh, the most recent episode we have was Gold Blue Mania, our little bonus features episode, um, where we talked a lot about some of the gold, some of your adventures at the Gold Blue Marathon that you went to. Um, but we also uh, the most the most recent like full length episode was Silence of the Lambs. Um, and next up on our ticket is 2001: A Space Odyssey. So. Um, Hopefully we'll get to that pretty soon, and we'll, we'll get uh, and we'll get that out to your ears. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that is it right now. Right, and then uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at SportsGuy515. Um, so next episode we are going to be starting our retrospective, going up to uh, Avengers Endgame, which is about a month away now from today from this recording. So very excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun to kind of revisit all these 20... Well, we already did one already with Captain Marvel, so we're going to visit the previous 20 MCU films. It's going to be a lot of fun. For this Phase 1 episode, we're going to bring in my Planet Jobbers co-host, Denon, to talk about Phase 1 with us. So it's going to be a fun time, uh, and looking forward to it. Uh, any final words before we get out of here? Um... No, I don't think so. Uh, excited for for Endgame. It, going through all these uh, all these Phase One movies, we'll get to it when we actually do the episode. Has been kind of interesting to see which ones hold up and which ones don't hold up. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna be gonna be a fun ride. Yes, and I have been actively writing down all Stanley cameos, so it'll be fun to talk about those as well. You know, rest in peace to that guy. So be a nice way to honor him. Oh, we'll, we'll think. <laughs> we'll, one thing we didn't mention is the the Marvel opening at the beginning of this. Oh really man, they got the feels, that, that had me in some tears where they uh where they did the uh the instead of the um the normal Marvel thing where you see all the, the, the comic book pages, you just see like a bunch of like little Stanley cameos and stuff and then they said I think it says like thank you, Stan or something like that. Uh, it was really good. Um and then the and then the Stanley cameo in this film was pretty good too, where he's reading the Mallrat script. I forgot a kick out of that. Yes, yes. Uh, and and it was funny because, you know, my um my uh, my sister goes to me. What's what's that he he's reading? Like, what does that mean? Like, oh, so you've never seen Mallrats then? Well, I've got a Blu-ray I got to put on for you, my. <laughs> so so yeah. So just seeing just as a movie fan, I marked out for seeing him read the Mallrats. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Sorry, so I know you were trying to wrap up, but I need to get that. I don't know. I mean, we didn't talk about the Stanley thing either. So I'm glad you you, you mentioned it as well. Um, but anyway, so we're going to get out of here now. On behalf of Adolfo, I'm Mark SportsGuy515. Thank you again for joining us. And until phase one, we are out of here. Uh-huh.